an anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode number 446. Submission number 996. Acceptable TV. Acceptable TV aired on VH1 from March 23rd to May 11th, 2007 for eight episodes. That's your old half of a crock block. And we know what a crock block is. It's the number of episodes of Jabberjaw and the Bibbles and Bam Bam show and Help, It's the Hair Bear Bunch and the Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan and Josie and the Pussycats and Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space and Speed Buggy and Super Friends and Goober and the Ghost Chasers and the Addams Family animated series and Hong Kong Fooey and Devlin and Partridge Family 2200 AD and the Tom and Jerry Show from 1975 and the Great Grey Ape, Ape Show and the Scooby-Doo and Dynamite Hour and the Challenge of Super Friends and the new Schmoo and Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo and the Drag Pack and the Quick Koala Show and that's just the Hanna-Barbera shows. And now for a brief synopsis as well as the theme music, here's a disembodied female voice. This is Ozone from VH1. He's here to design your title sequence. Okay, Ozone, listen carefully. I see charts, I see graphs, I see a flying cell phone that morphs into a hipster who may or may not be in a wheelchair. I see men holding check marks. It all takes place in a blue futuristic void, and I want our logo to look like it was designed by 30 people on a conference call. How soon can you have that done? It's done now. Run it. Welcome. You're about to see five television shows, each no longer than the average span of attention. After the show, please vote for your favorite using the internet or your cell phone. Next week, the two most acceptable shows will be back with a new episode. The other three will be canceled and replaced with new shows. We hope this makes your TV more acceptable. This is Acceptable TV. We've arrived at the mid to late 2000s when the fortunes of BH1 were dependent less upon the Love and Hip Hop franchise, and more upon pop culture. The network, by this time, has pretty much taken the MTV tack and decided we're not going to air music videos as much anymore. Instead, we're going to air shows about celebrities. And all of this could basically be traced back to the success of the I Love series and how that spun off Best Week Ever, which was good, by the way. But the problem is, it's only half an hour. VH1 needed something to air out of that to complement Best Week Ever and keep the audience from Best Week Ever. So they decided to take a chance on this show. But before we talk about this show, we have to talk about a stage show. And for that, we go back to 2002, when TV writers Dan Harmon and Rob Schrab created what they called the Channel 101 Film Festival. How does this work? Well, every month, Channel 101 will screen 10 five-minute pilot mini films 
and a live audience at the downtown independent in Los Angeles will decide which five continue as a series for the next screening, much of the way that TV programs are rated and managed. So the five pilots that get the most votes will follow up with another episode at the next Channel 101, while the other five are canceled. And five new pilots take their place. And I remember, I think this was the first time, Channel 101, that I was aware of The Lonely Island. Because they did a show on there called The Boo, which was a parody of The O.C. This was before they went to Saturday Night Live, Andy Samberg and the other two. According to the website, Channel 101 was a chance to sit in the worn-out chair of the fat network exec, drunk on the blood of lowly artists whose right to exist is given in exchange for their ability to nourish. You run the network. You pick the programming. Somewhere in the mid-2000s, BH1 actually watched a screening of the Channel 101 Film Festival. They liked what they saw and approached Dan Harmon and Rob Schrab to create and develop sort of a televised version of the show. And in the televised version, it would be instead of one hour of 10 five-minute pilots, it would be 30 minutes of five two-and-a-half-minute pilots and one winner chosen from the web. Because this was about the time when we saw interactive reality television at its finest, thanks to American Idol and other shows that used text messaging and weblogs and all of that fun stuff. Dan Harmon and Rob Schrab, they teamed up with another Channel 101 regular contributor, man by the name of Jack Black, to create and produce acceptable tv in acceptable tv it's basically a sketched comedy series with a regular troop of actors performing five pilots no longer than two and a half minutes and they also had room for a sixth pilot the web winner and the way they chose that is there are five shows generated by you the viewer and the person with the most votes in their film will be chosen to air alongside the five pilots for no other prize than you get television clout on basic cable so how does a typical episode of acceptable tv work the troupe performs five pilots of no more than two and a half minutes you vote by going to acceptable.tv or by texting the number of your favorite film to a number that they give you votes go until three o'clock the following monday because this aired on friday you had the entire weekend to vote at the close of voting, the two pilots with the most votes 
will go on to another episode. The other three are canceled and replaced with three more pilots. And we repeat over and over again. One of the pilots would always be the animated pilot. And that is usually created and produced by troop member and animated producer Justin Roiland. So let's talk about who is in this cast, because this entire cast is full of Channel 101 veterans and perhaps the funniest, most clever comedians undiscovered at the time in Hollywood. We have Dan Harmon, who, of course, is best known for creating Community, Rick and Morty, and some show on box about a thing you're incorrect what was the list again community rick and morty and that's it not gonna acknowledge that piece of crap opolis i'm piece of crap he did help write strange planet with nathan pyle though i love that show he did crap opolis too and that negates everything except for community community is good because who doesn't love dr ken on community among other people, yes. Then we have Justin Roiland, rubbish human being, but also known for Rick and Morty and Solar Opposites. Next is Ryan Ridley, who is known for Rick and Morty and Solar Opposites and Community. Are you seeing a pattern, guys? Then we have Chris Romano, a.k.a. Romanski, known for two things. He is the mascot on Blue Mountain State, future entry Blue Mountain State, and Greg, he played Ted's best friend, Punchy, on How I Met Your Mother. Oh, Punchy. Smoosby! Punchy! Smoosby! Punchy! Next is Drew Hancock, who was known for writing 19 episodes of Blue Mountain State and 22 episodes of Suburgatory. Nowadays, he's more of a writer. His latest opus was 10 episodes of Mr. Pickles on Adult Swim. Next is Eric Falconer, who is nowadays a producer for Blue Mountain State and How I Met Your Mother. J.D. Reisnar, who is the narrator for one of your low-key favorite TV series, Drunk History. Demorg Brown, one of the legitimate actors of the group, although he wasn't really in much of anything before this show and isn't in anything since. Jennifer Flack, who is known for being in one of the uh, webisodes of Community as fake Britta in Community College Chronicles. And last but definitely not least is Jen Kirkman, who went on to become one of my favorite panelists on At Midnight. Oh, she was great on At Midnight. And speaking of, since you're hearing this on Thursday, After Midnight has debuted. I cannot wait to see it. Oh, my DVR is already season passed. I cannot wait either. Did you know she also wrote 10 episodes of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? I did not know that. So like I said, some of the funniest, 
most creative, most intelligent, most clever minds in Hollywood comedy that have yet to be discovered. And finally, Ryan Nagata, who was and still is involved heavily with Channel 101. Some of his shows include Your Magic Touched Me and Your Magic Touched Me Nights. I don't want to know how he was touched at night. And also Justin Roiland for some reason. Anywho, let's talk about the episodes, shall we? Because there were eight of them, and each one had five of the regular pilots and one web winner. And we're going to talk about all of them. Episode one. Featured sketches are Joke Chasers, in which a group of investigators look for the origin of several jokes. Who Farted? A Deal or No Deal takeoff, where one contestant has to guess who, amongst the panel of panelists, farted. Homeless James Bond, which speaks for itself. The Teen Seas, a family drama about a tiny family. And the animated pilot, Mr. Sprinkles, about the surprisingly dark life of a childhood playmate justin roiland created that sketch and you can tell that was the beginning of the justin roiland animated universe there and the web winner designate was anna manesia by kate freund a rejected pilot for channel 101 anna manesia was the story of somebody who took in an injured person, nursed them back to help, and convinced them that they were a robot. Surprisingly enough, it did not get enough votes to go to the next episode. The two most loved pilots of this episode were Homeless James Bond and Mr. Sprinkles. And they go on to episode two. Sketches include Homeless James Bond Episode 2, Operation Kitten Calendar. The plot of Operation Kitten Calendar was an obvious Apprentice spoof. Like, very obvious. Like, you could watch it and you could say, yeah, that definitely looks like something. Medical Hospital, which is basically a medical drama with people using medical terms. Cirque du Soleil sex crime investigation, self-explanatory, and Mr. Sprinkles episode two. The web winner was Leet Haxers, created by Ben Plumer, which is basically 24 if it were told by college-age hackers from the early 2000s. By the way, Nowadays, Ben Plumer is an Emmy-nominated director who has directed projects for Comedy Central, USA, True TV, ABC, VH1, G4, CW, Subaru, AT&T, Black & Decker, Harley-Davidson, Viceroy Hotels, AOL, WebSoup, Ibanez, Guitar, Jen Air, Funny or Die, Red Hour Films, Channel 101, E, Vivo, and more. You said Vivo, right? I said Vivo. Not Vivo. No. Good. My baby wants Bevo for Christmas. 
the two most popular pilots from this episode were Mr. Sprinkles and Operation Kitten Calendar. So they move on to episode three, where they are joined by Yo, Murder He Wrapped, which is an obvious Murder She Wrote pastiche, Shady Acres, a teenage drama about a home for rapidly aging teenagers and shocker all of the teenagers are played by senior citizens and um i'll describe this and then i'll name it this is basically a combination of american gladiators and to catch a predator it is called p-word gladiators and the web winner for that week is episode two of Leet Hacksers. No surprise, Mr. Sprinkles and Operation Kitten Calendar won that week and moved on to episode four. And joining those two are Lord of the Fills, which is basically Lord of the Flies, if it were told 500 years in the future with the descendants of Dr. Phil. Drunk Home Makeover, where a couple invites a home improvement expert to come in, get blackout drunk, and violently redo their entire house. And Law and Order Production Unit, in which a production team is looking to create a new Law and Order series. The web winner for this episode. Psychic Priest Detective, created by Wade Randall. Right now, he is a writer for Rick and Morty. The winners for this episode, Mr. Sprinkles and Operation Kitten Calendar. Which means we get to see the season finale of Operation Kitten Calendar and the next episode of Mr. Sprinkles in episode five. And they are joined by Galeons, where we have a same-sex alien couple arriving on Earth to share in their bounty. You can see sort of the genesis of solar opposites with Galeons. We also have the Federal Bureau of Abdullah featuring a reformed terrorist assigned to lead an FBI field office in sitcom fashion. Hilarity does ensue. And The High Fiver, a dark, gritty crime drama involving an investigator who probes the depths of your mind by giving a high five. Your web winner is The Rappersons, created by Fun Incorporated, the team of Ernie Walker and Abed Geith, really big Channel 101 frequenters there. The winner, Mr. Sprinkles, and for some reason, Operation Kitten Calendar. And Dan said, because I believe Dan and Jen were hosting that episode, but Dan said, if you vote through Operation Kitten Calendar, we're going to put together a reunion show, and then we're cutting you off. You need help. So what do we do? We vote through Operation Kitten Calendar and Mr. Sprinkles for episode six, where we are also watching Red Carpet Bros, 
featuring bros on the red carpet. Gar, a sort of Conan the Barbarian type sword and sorcery send up. And Who's Gonna Train Me? Featuring Chris Romano as a boxer who has five weeks to train for a fight and four contestants vying to become his trainer. It's like, I'm a big boxer. I got five weeks before a big fight. And these four people are going to compete to see who's going to train me. So who's going to train me? And your web winner this week is episode three of Leet Hexers. The winners for this episode, and they specifically said, do not vote for Operation Kitten Calendar. We find out from Justin that Operation Kitten Calendar got 18% of the vote anyway, but it was out of the top two. The top two for this episode were Mr. Sprinkles and Who's Gonna Train Me? And they are joined in episode seven by Sin Trek Left Behind, a Star Trek parody in which the crew of a starship is looking quite literally for God in space. What does God need with a starship? We have I'm Not Racist, which features somebody similar to but legally distinct from Gallagher, who was canceled in the 1980s for making a bad joke, and now is on a dating show to prove that he is not racist. He does a bad job of that, by the way. And I'll the be, final... Hold on. Fi- hold on. <laughs> I'd much rather see Gallagher 2 on a dating show than Gallagher. And the final pilot is something similar to, but legally distinct from The Price is Right, the game show parody The Price of Dollars. And it gets dark because it was the first show featuring the new host of The Price of Dollars, and the announcer is bitter as hell because he was supposed to be the new host. In fact, the plot line here, a cherished game show host dies and nobody likes the new one. The announcer is making the audience hate him so he can get the job. And the web winner is episode two of The Rappersons. By the way, The Rappersons is about a family. The parents are really big hip-hop bands, and the kids are, for lack of a better phrase, wickety-wickety-whack. And then we have... The final episode, episode eight, where the cast is basically spending the entire budget on a lavish wraparound party and basically throwing everything about this show out the window. Now, we do have the winners from last week. I'm not racist and who's going to train me? That's right. Mr. Sprinkles placed out of the top two but dan was like you know what we have the final episode of mr sprinkles we're gonna air it so we have i'm not racist who's gonna train me the final episode of mr sprinkles 
an animated pilot that was supposed to air in case Mr. Sprinkles lost called Cosby's, which is basically what would happen if we told Gremlins with Mr. Black. And the final pilot is basically a clip show of all of the rejected pilots from, you know, before production. Cursed tape review, speedboat confessions, and radical female hackers. Wait, wait, wait. You said speedboat confessions? Speedboat confessions. What does Jizzle Drizzle have to say? Nice callback to Thunder in Paradise. I want to know. What does Jizzle Drizzle have to confess? That it had a terrible game on the CDI. I was wondering if it was going to confess to the Jizzle or the Drizzle. But anyhow. And the web winner from this week was McCourt's in Session by Blame Society, the team of Matt Sloan and Aaron Yonda. And true story, this was the first big success of Channel 101's first creators to enter primetime from outside Los Angeles. Yeah, those are the guys that are behind the uh, Chad Vader stuff. You remember the Chad Vader stuff, right, Chico? I remember the Chad Vader stuff. Oh, that was really big on YouTube back in the late 2000s. And then after that, VH1 decided to take it off the schedule. They did offer to develop a second season, but only on the conditions of a lower budget and greater control on their part over the content. They could have gotten away with a lower budget, really, but handing creative control to the network was where Dan Harmon apparently drew the line. In fact, on the official Channel 101 wiki over at Fandom, we have a whole lot of explanation from Dan Harmon, the secretary of, and by the way, the name of the troupe, they called themselves the Department of Acceptable Media, and Dan Harmon was the secretary of the Department of Acceptable Media. I want to tell you about something called Acceptable TV. It's being launched by the Department of Acceptable Media. Channel 101 alumni who, like you, once rebelled against the system. Now we are the system. Justin Roiland, J.D. Risner, Ryan Ridley, Drew Hancock, Ryan Nagata, Eric Falconer, and Chris Romano and myself are using millions of corporate dollars to write, direct, and produce a new brand of TV. The shows created by the department will have 10 times the power of Channel 101's most successful shows, packed into half the time. They will be broadcast on VH1 and available for free on the internet. And of course, the audience will get to choose which shows keep running and which are canceled. But when I say audience, I mean the actual audience, not 300 drunk hipsters at a Los Angeles dance club. Millions of viewers will watch our show and flock to our site, Acceptable.tv, where they will control the content democratically. It is at our site that we will also have an ongoing web-based competition open to the public. You make your own 2.5-minute show and upload it through your viewer profile. You don't have to glue a DV tape to a passenger pigeon's leg like at Channel 101. Just shoot and upload. If it's good enough and legally clearable, it goes on the website. And if the audience votes it back, you can make another episode. Why does it need to be clearable? 
And this is part of the reason why acceptable TV failed, I think. We'll be using Rever as our site's players. It counts, views, and charges advertisers for a single-frame advert at the end of your video. And guess who shares in that profit? You. The more popular your video, the more money you make. See if Channel One can offer you that. By the way, you keep all the rights to whatever you create, and all we get is the right to show it to people. However, the most important thing you should know before you submit your two-and-a-half-minute submission is that before it even gets to me, Dan Harmon, it will be cleared or eliminated by something called Standards and Practices. That's right, guys. It's our old friend, Standards and Practices, again. S&P is a department that operates independently of the network and which, in addition to filtering content for the things you and I understand as profane, has recently entered the business of determining what may or may not be offensive to individuals or groups. You might be surprised what won't make it through that filter. I want to make sure you know exactly what you're up against before you spend a minute working for us. Think of our show as a prisoner to whom you are sending a letter. If there's anything in it that involves real freedom, it won't even get here. The best example I can give you and the reason I'm writing this article is a submission from Aaron Yanda and Matt Sloan called Morning Radio Mysteries. Aaron and Matt are the creators of Chad Vader and some of my favorite content at Channel 101. They made a show as a special favor to me in spite of having bigger fish to fry. I was embarrassed today to learn that you won't be seeing their pilot there, not because of anything recognizable to me as offensive, but because of something recognizable as potentially offensive by someone I've never met, someone in standards and practices. In Aaron and Matt's show, a pair of morning radio DJs antagonize a rock star by insinuating that he is a homosexual. Here's the thing. To you, a gay person might be a neighbor or a family member or a mailman or your worst enemy, but above all, a human being. To corporations, which are not human, a gay person is not human. A gay person just represents a special interest group a monstrous, unseen burden, a troll under the bridge, waiting to pounce and savage their checking accounts with sponsor boycotts, bad press, and lawsuits. The audience, in general, be they black, white, gay, or all of the above, represent a dangerous game for media corporations. They need your full attention. They need your eyeballs and your wallets, but they don't want to be responsible for you. They want you watching six hours of TV a day, but they don't want your life touching theirs. Your humanity, your opinions, your mind, the person you really are. To them, it's just a form of liability. So they err on the side of caution. I suppose if you were them, you'd do the same thing. Reason number 70 to be thankful you're broke. You don't have to live in constant fear of people taking your precious treasure. Well, I'm proud of the stuff I've made for this show, I want you to watch it. If they edit me in any significant way, I will tell you. And if they don't edit me, let me tell you. I will walk away because I've been working that way for 34 years and it works. But I'm writing this blog to let you know that the user-generated material is not exactly going to be pure expression of the human experience. The really cool raw stuff that people make is still going to be at Channel One or YouTube or whatever or what have you. This is acceptable TV. 
the acceptable part of the title isn't all that ironic. I am a property of Viacom. If you're going to send me something good, disguise it from the minds of the mediocre. Bury the file in the cake. Be honestly tame, secretly genius, or shamelessly hack. Do everything I tell you not to do at Channel 101. Think twice. Calculate. Arbitrate. Compromise. When in doubt, follow your fear. Self-censor. Don't even try to ride the line. You'll be over it before you start, and they won't tell you until you're finished. They never know what they don't like until you're done with it. I have no doubt that genius will slip through the filter at some point, but let's face it, joyless crap will make it through more often and will be heavily rewarded. We haven't even started, and joy is already being punished. Sorry, Matt. Sorry, Aaron. Welcome to TV, Internet. So, in the conglomeration of two blog posts from Dan Harmon, therein lies the problem with acceptable TV. The problem is, they tried to do the internet on TV. You can't do the internet on TV. The internet is the wild, wild west, as is evidenced by YouTube and the many, many videos I've seen of content that I've seen elsewhere before. TV, on the other hand, is filtered. So... You may get some good stuff, but you're not going to get the premium stuff. The eight episodes were never rerun on television. Most of the members of the Department of Acceptable Media have gone on to bigger and better things and do not list this show on their CVs, nor do they apparently want to. They were for a time available on Prime Video and iTunes, but they since been removed and are largely forgotten. Episodes do exist on the internet unofficially, if you know where to look. As for Channel 101, it still exists as a community-driven nonprofit film festival on the internet with the goal of providing an accessible space for creative filmmakers to experiment with style, story, and technique free from commercial restraints. Acceptable TV worked for all the reasons that a show like that would work. It also didn't work for the reasons that a show like that couldn't work. It was good enough for independent filmmakers, but not for commercial television, even if it is basic cable. VH1 was looking for the next best week ever. Instead, they came up with this thing on TV. And now I need a palate cleanser. Here's the Russell Westbrook report. Russell Westbrook, he can sure score triple-doubles. But he sure as hell can't think straight when he's trying to make a pass. It's the Russell Westbrook update. All right, guys. When we left off on December 29th, Russ and the Clippers played the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Clippers were 117-106 winners. Russ had 14 points and 6 rebounds and 6 assists. On New Year's Day against the Heat, Russ played 18 minutes in a 121-104 win and scored 8 points. On January 3rd against Phoenix on the road, the Clippers won 131-122. Russ had 6 points in 18 minutes. On January 5th against the Pelicans, the Clippers won 111-95. Russ had 8 points 
in 22 minutes played. On January 7th against the Lakers, the Lakers beat the Clippers by three points. Russ had seven points. On January 8th against the Suns, the Clippers won 138 to 111. Russ had nine points and seven assists. And then recently on January 10th, the Clippers beat the Raptors 126 to 120. Russ had six points in 14 minutes. So as we're recording this, the Clippers are playing right now against the Grizzlies on Friday, January 12th. And the Clippers are basically beating the crap out of the Grizzlies. They're up by 18 points with about five minutes to go. Russ has 12 points. Right now in the standings in the Western Conference, the Clippers are 24 and 13. So they're going to go to 25 and 13 after this game. Right now, they're two games back of the Timberwolves and the Thunder for the top spot in the West. The Nuggets are right behind as the three seed at 26 and 13, a game back of first place. The Kings are 23 and 15 along with the Pelicans. So they share the fifth slot. But right behind it, you got the Mavericks at 23 and 16, four games out. So only four games separate the top seven teams in the Western Conference right now at the time we're recording this. So that's the Russell Westbrook update for right now. Couple more bullet points before we wrap this thing up. Had the series actually continued to a second season, Dan intended that every creator of a web winner show through the first eight week cycle would show their work back to back in a special ninth episode and have the audience choose which of these creators should be added as official acceptable TV creators on the legitimate show in the next season. Well, that's going to do it for this acceptable podcast, but if you want to relive some of our original works, you can go over to it was a thing on tv.com, listen to the 445 episodes that preceded this one. All sorts of great bonuses, including mini-shows, live shows, extended versions, the whole works. We're on all social media, including Instagram, Threads, Mastodon, at It Was A Thing On TV, except for Facebook, where we are at It Was A Thing On TV Podcast. Remember, if you want to follow us on Mastodon, you have to go to It Was A Thing On TV at tvwatch.party. Now, one thing to note, and this is going to affect you listeners on the Podbean feed, but I finally should mention this here on the regular feed. Now, if you've noticed, if you listen to the omnibus cuts over at Place to Be Nation Pop, you notice they're now on Fridays instead of Wednesdays. It changed from Wednesdays to Fridays because, yeah, I Wednesdays, I mean, the Wednesday cuts were 12 days apart from the recording to when they were posted. So I thought, well, why don't we just change it to Friday so they can now be up to date, day and date with the Podbean feed here. So Andy Afferton agreed to do that. Thank you, Andy. So now we are in sync with the actual posting schedule on there. So that's pretty good. So if you want to listen to the previous episodes, all the on the bus cuts are there at Place Be Nation Pop, just to let you know. And as a reminder, we are on wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Apple, TuneIn Radio, iHeart, Audible, wherever. And we're also on YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel. Hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date on all of our entries on the channel, including what's coming up next week, because your boy's got a birthday this week. Oh, finally, we're going to get to watch it. 
I'm so excited because next week we're going to see Chuck E. Cheese in the Galaxy 5000. What the fine folks at Funimation were doing when they weren't doing Dragon Ball. Now, I'm curious how much drugs were taken when they came up with this. Well, it's Texas, so a lot. Well, there's one thing I do know. You can do it, do it, do it, do whatever you want in Galaxy 5000. Do whatever you want. (laughs) So that's going to be the Monday episode, and the Thursday episode is going to be something... All I can say, it's very appropriate that we're kicking off an election year with this show. What happens when there's a female president? Hilarity ensues. So those are the two episodes that are coming up next week. We hope you will enjoy them with us here at It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to one another, and we will see you for the next one. Row! I'm Robert James Bachman. 25 years ago, I took the world's most adorable kitten photo. Today, kitten calendars are a $75 million a year industry, and I rule it with an iron fist. One of these young people will be my next photographer. The other four can kiss my ass. This week is going to be easy. Psych. You're going to be photographing a kitten for one of the most important months of the year. December. Hold it. Ground rules. No Christmas. No snow. Oh, he did not say what he may or may not have said. We were all up at the crack of dawn to get our kittens out of the kitten stable. And then there was Sarah. That bitch woke up late. Oh, God. Kitty. Kitty. This is my dream, and I'm watching it all slip away. I'm going with a winter solstice. It's like a pagan Christmas. Oh, New Year's Eve, son! That's in December. Think about it. The camera. Oh, yeah, you've done this before. Come on, give me that kitty. Bitch, give me stuff! Stuff! You think you're better than me, bitch? How do you all feel about your calendar pages? He's on vacation. I get it. What is this? It's a winter solstice. It's winter bull. I'd party with this guy. Pearl Harbor Day. My father died in Pearl Harbor. He would have liked this. Good job, Randy. Sir, I woke up late. Sarah, this is the calendar business. We don't do late. Sarah. Don't say it, Mr. Bachman. You're stumped. And you better hold tight to that tree branch, Dahlia, because you're not exactly hanging in there. Randy, you win this week, which means next week you'll be using my top kitten, Sprinkle Mist. This little will look cute in front of a gas chamber. Get some sleep, you're gonna need it. Kiss my ass, all right? Get out of here. Go to kittencalendar.tv for photos of 
kittens in a free Robert James Bachman video ringtone. Gets my ass. Ding.